This is day 177 of our daily Bible reading. We'll be completing Amos chapters 1 through 5. Lord Heavenly Father, you are the shepherd of our souls. You know what is best for us. You know where we need to pasture. You know how to protect us. And Lord, we are so prone to wander. We get lost so often. We get we abandon you because we don't know any better. We are as foolish as sheep, Lord. You rightly called us so in your word. Lord God, be our master. Be, be our protector. Be the one who provides and feeds us. Lord, because your food, which is good for our souls, is the only thing that will satisfy us. Lord God, please give us what we need and have a longing to follow you. Because, again, we don't know better. And Lord, you do. And so, show us the right way so that we can be satisfied in you. Please bless the reading of this word in Jesus' name. Amen. The words of Amos, who was among the sheep herders from Tekoa, which he envisioned in visions concerning Israel in the days of Uzziah, king of Judah and in the days of Jeroboam, son of Joash, king of Israel, two years before the earthquake. He said, The Lord roars from Zion, and from Jerusalem he utters his voice, and the shepherds' pasture grounds mourn, and the summit of Carmel dries up. Thus says the Lord, For three transgressions of Damascus, and for four, I will not revoke its punishment because they threshed Gilead with implements of sharp iron. So I will send fire upon the house of Hazael, and it will consume the citadels of Ben-Hadad. I will also break the gate bar of Damascus, and cut off the inhabitant from the valley of Avon, and him who holds the scepter from Beth-Eden. So the people of Aram will go exiled to Kir, says the Lord. Thus says the Lord, For three transgressions of Gaza, and for four, I will not revoke its punishment, because they deported an entire population to deliver it up to Edom. So I will send fire upon the wall of Gaza, and it will consume her citadels. I will also cut off the inhabitant from Ashdod, and him who holds the scepter from Ashkelon. I will even unleash my power upon Ekron, and the remnant of the Philistines will perish, says the Lord God. Thus says the Lord, For three transgressions of Tyre, and for four, I will not revoke its punishment, because they delivered up an entire population to Edom. It did not remember the covenant of brotherhood. So I will send fire upon the wall of Tyre, and will consume her citadels. Thus says the Lord, for three transgressions of Edom, and for four, I will not revoke its punishment, because he pursued his brother with the sword, while he stifled his compassion. His anger also tore continually, and he maintained his fury forever. So I will send fire upon Taman, and it will consume the citadels of Bozrah. Thus says the Lord, for three transgressions of the sons of Ammon, and for four, 
I will not revoke its punishment, because they ripped open the pregnant women of Gilead in order to enlarge their borders. So I will kindle a fire on the wall of Rabbah, and it will consume her citadels. Amid war cries on the day of battle, and a storm on the day of tempest, their king will go into exile, he and his princes together, says the Lord. Thus says the Lord, For three transgressions of Moab, and for four, I will not revoke its punishment, because he burned the bones of the king of Edom to lime. So I will send fire upon Moab, and it will consume the citadels of Kiriath, and Moab will die amid tumult, with war cries and the sound of a trumpet. I will also cut off the judge from her midst, and slay all her princes with him, says the Lord. Thus says the Lord, For three transgressions of Judah and for four, I will not revoke its punishment, because they rejected the law of the Lord and have not kept his statutes. Their lies also have led them astray, those after which their fathers walked. So I will send fire upon Judah, and it will consume the citadels of Jerusalem. Thus says the Lord, For three transgressions of Israel, and for four, I will not revoke its punishment, because they sell the righteous for money and the needy for a pair of sandals. These who pant after the very dust of the earth on the head of the helpless also turn aside the way of the humble. And a man and his father resort to the same girl in order to profane my holy name. On garments taken as pledges, they stretch out beside every altar. And in the house of their God, they drink the wine of those who have been fined. Yet it is I who destroyed the Amorite before them though his height was like the height of cedars, and he was strong as the oaks. I even destroyed his fruit above and his root below. It was I who brought you up from the land of Egypt, and I led you in the wilderness forty years, that you might take possession of the land of the Amorite. Then I raised up some of your sons to be prophets, and some of your young men to be Nazarites. Is this not so, O sons of Israel, declares the Lord? But you made the Nazarites drink wine, and you commanded the prophets, saying, You shall not prophesy. Behold, I am weighted down beneath you, as a wagon is weighted down when filled with sheaves. Flight will perish from the swift, and the stalwart will not strengthen his power, nor the mighty man save his life. He who grasps the bow will not stand his ground. The swift of foot will not escape. Nor will he who rides the horse save his life. Even the bravest among the warriors will flee naked in that day, declares the Lord. Hear this word which the Lord has spoken against you, sons of Israel, against the entire family which he brought up from the land of Egypt. You only have I chosen among all the families of the earth. Therefore I will punish you for all your iniquities. Do two men walk together unless they have made an appointment? Does a lion roar in the forest when he has no prey? 
Does a young lion growl from his den unless he has captured something? Does a bird fall into a trap on the ground when there is no bait in it? Does a trap spring up from the earth when it captures nothing at all? If a trumpet is blown in a city, will not the people tremble? If a calamity occurs in a city, has not the Lord done it? Surely the Lord God does nothing unless he reveals his secret counsel to his servants the prophets. A lion has roared. Who will not fear? The Lord God has spoken. Who can but prophesy? Proclaim on the citadels in Ashdod and on the citadels in the land of Egypt, and say, Assemble yourselves on the mountains of Samaria, and see the great tumults within her, and the oppressions in her midst. But they do not know how to do what is right, declares the Lord. These who hoard up violence and devastation in their citadels. Therefore, thus says the Lord God, An enemy, even one surrounding the land, will pull down your strength from you, and your citadels will be looted. Thus says the Lord, Just as the shepherd snatches from the lion's mouth a couple of legs or a piece of an ear, so will the sons of Israel dwelling in Samaria be snatched away. With a corner of a bed and the cover of a couch. Hear and testify against the house of Jacob, declares the Lord God, the God of hosts. For on the day that I punish Israel's transgressions, I will also punish the altars of Bethel. The horns of the altar will be cut off, and they will fall to the ground. I will also smite the winter house together with the summer house. The houses of ivory will also perish, and the great houses will come to an end, declares the Lord. Hear this word, you cows of Bashan, who are on the mountain of Samaria, who oppress the poor, who crush the needy, who say to your husbands, Bring now that we may drink. The Lord God has sworn by his holiness. Behold, the days are coming upon you when they will take you away with meat hooks and the last of you with fish hooks. You will go out through breaches in the walls, each one straight before her, and you will be cast to Harmon, declares the Lord. Enter Bethel and transgress. In Gilgal multiply transgression. Bring your sacrifices every morning, your tithes every three days. Offer a thank offering also from that which is leavened, and proclaim free will offerings. Make them know. For so you love to do, O sons of Israel, declares the Lord God. But I gave you also cleanness of teeth in all your cities, and lack of bread in all your places. Yet you have not returned to me, declares the Lord. Furthermore, I withheld the rain from you while there was still three months until harvest. Then I would send the rain on one city, and on another city I would not send rain. One part would be rained on, while the part not rained on would dry up. So two or three cities would stagger to another city to drink water, but would not be satisfied. 
Yet you have not returned to me, declares the Lord. I smote you with scorching wind and mildew, and the caterpillar was devouring your many gardens and vineyards, fig trees and olive trees. Yet you have not returned to me, declares the Lord. I sent a plague among you after the manner of Egypt. I slew your young men by the sword along with your captured horses, and I made the stench of your camp rise up in your nostrils. Yet you have not returned to me, declares the Lord. I overthrew you as God overthrew Sodom and Gomorrah, and you were like a firebrand snatched from a blaze. Yet you have not returned to me, declares the Lord. Therefore, thus I will do to you, O Israel, because I will do this to you. Prepare to meet your God, O Israel. For behold, he who forms mountains and creates the wind and declares to man what are his thoughts, he who makes dawn into darkness and treads on the high places of the earth, the Lord God of hosts is his name. Hear this word which I take up for you as a dirge, O house of Israel. She has fallen. She will not rise again. The virgin Israel, she lies neglected on her land. There is none to raise her up. For thus says the Lord God, The city which goes forth a thousand strong will have a hundred left, and the one which goes forth a hundred strong will have ten left to the house of Israel. For thus says the Lord to the house of Israel, Seek me that you may live. But do not resort to Bethel, and do not come to Gilgal, nor cross over to Beersheba, for Gilgal will certainly go into captivity, and Bethel will come to trouble. Seek the Lord that you may live, or he will break forth like a fire, O house of Joseph, and it will consume with none to quench it for Bethel. For those who turn justice into wormwood and cast righteousness down to the earth. He who made the Pleiades and Orion and changes deep darkness into morning, who also darkens day into night, who calls for the waters of the sea and pours them out on the surface of the earth. The Lord is his name. It is he who flashes forth with destruction upon the strong so that destruction comes upon the fortress. They hate him who reproves in the gate, and they abhor him who speaks with integrity. Therefore, because you impose heavy rent on the poor and exact a tribute of grain from them, though you have built houses of well-hewn stone, yet you will not live in them. You have planted pleasant vineyards, yet you will not drink their wine. For I know your transgressions are many, and your sins are great. You who distress the righteous and accept bribes, and turn aside the poor in the gate. Therefore, at such a time, the prudent person keeps silent, for it is an evil time. Seek good and not evil, that you may live. And thus may the Lord God of hosts be with you, just as you have said. 
hate evil, love good, and establish justice in the gates. Perhaps the Lord God of hosts may be gracious to the remnant of Joseph. Therefore, thus says the Lord God of hosts, the Lord. There is wailing in all the plazas, and in all the streets they say, Alas, alas! They also call the farmer to mourning, and professional mourners to lamentation. And in all the vineyards there is wailing, because I will pass through the midst of you, says the Lord. Alas, you who are longing for the day of the Lord, for what purpose will the day of the Lord be to you? It will be darkness and not light. As when a man flees from a lion and a bear meets him, or goes home, leans his hand against the wall, and a snake bites him, will not the day of the Lord be darkness instead of light, even gloom with no brightness in it? I hate, I reject your festivals, nor do I delight in your solemn assemblies. Even though you offer up to me burnt offerings and your grain offerings, I will not accept them. And I will not even look at the peace offerings of your fatlings. Take away from me the noise of your songs. I will not even listen to the sound of your harps. But let justice roll down like waters, and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream. Did you present me with sacrifices and grain offerings in the wilderness for forty years, O house of Israel? You also carried along Sekuth, your king, and Kiyun, your images, the star of your gods, which you made for yourselves. Therefore, I will make you go into exile beyond Damascus, says the Lord, whose name is the Lord of hosts. Yikes, am I right? The Lord is angry with these people, and you can just see the tone of it so clearly. So Amos is a very interesting prophet, because Amos is not a professional prophet like most of them are. It says at the very beginning here that he is among the sheep herders of Israel. And so and from a land called Tekoa, which is about 10 miles south of Jerusalem. And he has words of judgment for these different nations, and most specifically for Judah and Israel. In the timeline, Amos comes before some of the ones that we've already read. So he comes a couple of years before Hosea, and Hosea comes about 10 years before Micah, and Micah comes a couple of years before Isaiah. So Amos is one of the earlier prophets in the Old Testament when it comes to judgment, since he is before even Isaiah. So just to give you a perspective of when this takes place, because it says it's during the days of Uzziah, king of Judah, and it says two years before the earthquake. So this is referred to in Zechariah, which we'll get to one day, but this is the earthquake that is in relation to the sin that King Uzziah did. Because if you recall what he did wrong is he went into the temple of God and he acted like a priest. He went in there and he started burning incense and all that stuff, 
And he wasn't allowed to do that. There are specific offices that you can be in those days, prophet or priest or king. And with the exception of maybe three or four people in history, you're only supposed to have one office. And God does that intentionally. And so his office was king, obviously, and so he was not to play the role of the priest. But yet, he violated God's word, and he did it anyway. And as a result, God caused an earthquake to happen. And this you can see the story of this in 2 Chronicles chapter 26, if you want to go back and reference it. So it starts off in verse 3 of chapter 1 with a statement that begins all of these different places of judgment, where it says, For three transgressions of whatever place, and for four, I will not revoke its punishment. That's an interesting statement. What does that mean? So basically, it's a figure of speech in Hebrew. And this figure of speech means just repeated and innumerable acts of rebellion. Basically, if you want to put it like this, God is saying, because you guys do this over and over and over, I'm not going to hold back my punishment, if you want to put it more simply. So he is pronouncing doom upon these places. So he first pronounces doom against Damascus, then he pronounces doom against Philistia, the land of the Philistines, then he announces doom for Tyre, then he announces it for Ammon, then for Moab, then for Judah, and then for Israel. And then he seems to stick with Israel and spend the rest of his time talking about what's going to happen to them. We know the story, right? We already know that they are an idolatrous land, and there has been no good king that was ever reigning in the northern kingdom of Israel, with the capital being Samaria. So God is going to make that very clear that he is upset and angry with them, and he is going to punish them. We've already seen that happen in many other prophets up until now, so it's not worth going over again in great detail as to what they did, because by now we know. But there are a few pieces of scripture in here that we definitely need to study, because they are very important. If we go over to chapter 3, beginning in verse 3, then we start to see something here where God is asking questions. He'll ask a question like, Do two men walk together unless they have made an appointment? Does a lion roar in the forest when he has no prey? And he's doing that because he's trying to show Israel how far separated they are from God because of their sin. Verse 7, Surely the Lord God does nothing unless he reveals his secret counsel to his servants, the prophets. A lion has roared, who will not fear? The Lord God has spoken, who can but prophesy? God has warned his people through the prophets time and time and time again, including Amos right now. But the people told their prophets to be quiet, and they were silenced, or, quite frankly, they just did not accept the message whether out of hatred for God, or they, they're calling them liars. Oh no, God wouldn't do that to us. Yeah, we've lived in sin, we do not worship him properly, but he's not going to remove us from this land. There's no way. How quickly we forget, right? 
how often have they been captured and conquered by other people in history? Numerous times. Granted, they weren't always taken out of their land, but they were caused to be destroyed and conquered by other people because of their sin. Multiple times, especially look at the book of Judges. That's what the whole cycle's about. So this should not have been a surprise to the history of the people. But here's the thing. If God is not being honored and the word of God is not being heeded by its leadership, what are the chances that they're teaching that generation anything about what happened in the past? You see what I'm saying? How can you learn from the past if you either erase the past or you don't teach them what the past was? Both of those are dangerous, aren't they? Especially if you go into any country in today's world and you don't teach them the history of how you got here as well as the problems that we have had in the past, then you'll never understand how to fix anything or how to make progress. So think about what's going on in the United States right now. In the name of wokeness, we have the nation trying to erase or modify history. For example, you look at the state of Florida. The governor over there shut down a history curriculum that was trying to be pushed through the schools that taught things that were contrary to what really happened in history. Things like critical race theory and gender queerness, which gender queerness was not a problem until the last few years ago. None of that is what caused the things to happen in history. Instead, yes, slavery was a terrible thing in the United States. And thank God we have moved past that through President Lincoln and through movements after that, and Martin Luther King and all that. But it is downright evil to change history for political motives. Because then we are going to learn false history, and we're not going to learn from our past. We need to honor what has happened in the past and represent it correctly so that we can make progress. And just as God usually does, near the end here of chapter 3, he is predicting that there will be a nation that will come from afar, an enemy, even one surrounding the land will pull down your strength from you and your citadels will be looted. He is predicting Assyria coming to take over the northern kingdom of Israel and carry them off into exile. Then when we get to chapter 4, <laughs> if we don't understand this properly, we, we may get a little confused. So at the very beginning it says he's calling people the cows of Bashan. Now, when I think of a cow, I imagine fatness, right? And Bashan was in those days, especially if you look at some of the Psalms, Bashan was known for their fat cows. They're good, healthy cows that produced a lot of milk or were good meat. And so we have these women who were compared to cows. Now, he's not calling them fat, relax, but what he is calling them is fatness of spirit. Now, what does that mean? So, when it, they usually in the Bible, when they call you fat, they call you fat because you're enjoying the things of this world and have gotten consumed by them. 
Do you know what I'm saying? You've allowed materialism to seep into your life. You're living a life of luxury. You have this authority or influence of some kind, and you're causing yourself to prosper, but you have abandoned the Lord in the process. You have made your choice of who your master is, and you have chosen the world. These women are apparently the ones that have done that very thing. These women were, for one, insatiable. You could not satisfy them. Like it says in verse 1, they tell their husbands, bring now that we may drink. They oppress the poor, like they heavily tax them, or they cause them to be crushed so that they can have the richer get richer and the poorer get poorer. Hey, that sounds familiar. Then when we get to verses 4 and 5, we see other problems that they have. They enter Bethel and transgress, and they enter Gilgal and multiply transgression. Remember, these used to be places to worship God, but they turned them into idolatrous grounds, including the golden calves that Jeroboam created. And those are what they worship. So that's what it's referring to here. Go to these places and just continue your idolatry and your fakeness. So you love to do, like he says in verse 5, so you love to do, you sons of Israel. You are pretentiously religious. Your religion is empty. It reminds me of what James said in chapter 1 of, of his book, where it says that true and undefiled religion is this, to care for the widows and the orphans that are oppressed, and to keep oneself unstained by the world. That is what it truly means to be religious. With no relationship with your God, religion is empty and useless. It is a means to help you stay on track and to seek him, but it is not the end. That is the means to the end. But ultimately, it is knowing your God and worshiping him correctly that he desires. Then what he does is he shows that he did multiple things in order to try to get their attention, and they refused to back down. So we first see, beginning in verse 6, that he gave them cleanness of teeth, meaning that he did not give them food. He did not give them plenty of harvest and all this stuff. So there's most likely a famine. And even with that, you did not return to me. That wasn't enough to convince you to come back. So then he withheld rain. He did not allow it to rain on the earth so that crops would grow. And yet, you still didn't return. So in your stubbornness of spirit, you still didn't back down. So then he took it the next step further. Then he brought scorching wind and mildew. He brought pestilence and desert heat. And things wilted and didn't grow. And yet they still didn't come back. He sent plagues like he did in Egypt. And it still didn't stop them from sinning. Then he overthrew them like Sodom and Gomorrah. And they still didn't back down. That's how stubborn we are, aren't we? So then he's like, you know what? This is what's going to happen. You do not respond to anything I'm trying to do to get your attention. So, buckle up, ladies and gentlemen. Verse 12. 
Therefore, thus I will do to you, O Israel, because I will do this to you. You have provoked me, and I am going to take action now. Prepare to meet your God. I don't know about you, but that was one of the scariest verses in the Bible for me. Imagine God telling that to you. Ryan, prepare to meet your God. In my case, while I'm still a sinner and I make mistakes, I'm looking forward to that. I would love to meet my maker, you know? But it depends on what side of the fence you're on. If you're on the side of the fence where you love your Lord, then this is a joyous event. Just like he's going to describe the end times. When he comes to return and to make things new, it depends on what side of the fence you're on. If you're living in sin, and you're living in disobedience, or you lack the salvation of the Lord, the day of the Lord is not going to be a good day for you. But for those who are saved and are being saved, that is a glorious day that we all look forward to. So then, he offers in chapter 5 a way out. He offers them one last chance. For thus says the Lord to the house of Israel, in verse 4, Seek me that you may live. Seek me. Here's your chance to repent and return to me. This is what is required if you want me to relent from destroying you. You haven't been obeying me so far. You likely won't, but here the offer is on the table. Take it or leave it. He is ready to forgive. He's not ready just hovering his finger over the smite button. This is what he must do to satisfy his justice. But, at the same time, he is a God of compassion. He would much rather forgive you and heal you than cause you harm. That is the God that we love and the one that loves us. Verse 14, Seek good and not evil, that you may live. And thus may the Lord God of hosts be with you, just as you have said. Hate evil, love good, and establish justice in the gate. Perhaps the Lord God of hosts may be gracious to the remnant of Joseph. Again, he may relent from his disaster if you seek him. This applies to us as well. Seek good and not evil. Hate evil, love good, and establish justice in the gate. This applies to us too. We need to be that very thing. God hates evil. Therefore, we need to hate evil. God loves good, and he, therefore, we love good. He loves justice in the gate, meaning that's where they would go and do legal counsel. So, in the halls of justice, of the law of your government, as well as how you conduct yourself, establish justice in your life. Thus, perhaps the Lord will spare us. Then, the final half of the chapter 5 is talking about religious people, and I use quotes right here. Religious people, the ones who are fakers. The ones who look religious on the outside, but inside are dead, just like the Pharisees of the time of Jesus. He has some very powerful words to say about them. First thing he says is, 
Alas, you who are longing for the day of the Lord, for what purpose will the day of the Lord be to you? And that's the point I was making earlier, was to you, it's going to be darkness if you are not obeying God. If you don't love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and you don't seek him, then it's going to be a day of darkness for you. The end is going to be devastating, and you will be thrown into hell forever. But for us, we will avoid all of that if you are saved. So it depends, again, on what side you're on, if you're on God's side or if you're on the world's side. It's that simple. Then he says that they go and sacrifice to him, but he's not going to accept them. Why? Because they're empty. Their heart is not right. It's the same thing with when Cain and Abel were going to give their best things and their first fruits to God. That's why Cain's was not accepted and Abel's was. Abel's heart was right. Cain's was not. He held on to bitterness and anger, and he refused to submit himself to God. And that's why God refused him. It had nothing to do with the fact that he brought fruit versus Abel bringing a sheep. It had nothing to do with what was given to God. It was the condition of Cain's heart. We know this because after he warned Cain to check himself before he wrecked himself, then he goes and kills his brother. So the way God does things hasn't changed. Lastly, if we look at verse 26, it mentions, You also carried along Sikuth your king, and Kiyun your images, the star of your gods which you made for yourselves. So during the 40 years in the wilderness of the Exodus, when they were wandering around, they were not always able to make sacrifices and bring offerings, yet God cared for them. And yet their hearts were now set on these false gods, that these are their particular names. They don't have any symbolic meaning, but that is the name of their idols at this time. And so that's why it, those are mentioned there by name. But we have one more day of Amos and what else is going to happen to this land. And we'll see what goes from here. And that's all I have for today. Thank you for listening. I'm Ryan, and we'll see you next time. Take care, and God bless you.